Across the globe, 2,800 dedicated soldiers and civilians at 23 locations in 11 time zones stand ready. This is SMDC. And this is the High Ground Podcast, the official podcast of U.S. Army Space and Missile Defense Command. With the 100th Missile Defense Brigade in Colorado Springs, I'm Staff Sergeant Zach Sheely. And I'm Major Will Smith. No, not that Will Smith. I'm the PAO for the 100th Brigade. We're honored to be your guest host on this episode, and we've got a full lineup for you. We're going to talk SMDC news, learn about cool jobs in the command, answer your questions from the mailbag, and finally share some upcoming events, so stick around. What if free people could live secure in the knowledge that their security did not rest upon the threat of instant U.S. retaliation to deter a Soviet attack, that we could intercept and destroy strategic ballistic missiles before they reached our own soil or that of our allies. Welcome back to the High Ground Podcast. We hope you had a great holiday season and a happy new year. I think it's safe to say we were all ready to put 2020 behind us. Major Smith, it is great to be with you. I feel like I haven't seen you since last year. Can you please tell our listeners where they can find all the recent news featuring SMDC events and people? Sure, we publish dozens of articles, photo sets, and videos each month at smdc.army.mil. For our first segment, we'll go in depth on some of these stories. While 2020 was a challenging year to be sure, it was also filled with accomplishments and significant events from across the SMDC Global Command. Our first guest is Jason Cutshaw, Jason is a public affairs specialist and writer in the SMDC PAO in Huntsville. Jason met with the SMDC Commanding General, Lieutenant General Karbler, to gather his perspective on the year 2020, his first full year in command of SMDC. Jason, how did that conversation go? Well, Sergeant Sheely, you know, as a a three-star general, getting time with him is, is, it's a rare opportunity to to delve into his his thoughts and and what he thinks of the command and what what it has went through in this 2020 i like to call it the year of covid i'm happy you brought that up jason you wrote and i'm quoting general carbler here that covid really didn't affect our readiness we knew we had to stay ready 24 7 we do the most critical strategic missions within the dod can you go more into depth on that Yes, when he was looking back on 2020, at the very beginning of 2020, you had the missile attacks from Iran onto our forces and the joint forces in Iraq, if you'll remember, where those where the SMD soldiers actually detected the the incoming missiles and gave the warning to uh, to the joint force that was there in Iraq. Thanks for recapping that for us. Can you please talk about the points you made on the Satellite Operations Brigade, if you can? The U.S. Navy hospitals that went to, I know New York City, I believe there was one on the West Coast, and I can't remember exactly where it was, but our SATOPs provided communication and bandwidth for those Navy ships that without that, they could not function. And also with, with the astronauts that, that launched to space, SATOPs Brigade provided support to those as well. So from the ocean to the you know outer space, we're, we're right there supporting both missions and everything in between. 
Jason, did, did General Carbler mention anything about the FTM-44 flight test? Well, he talked about our um, the, the Joint Functional command, Component Command for Integrated Missile Defense and how they worked alongside the, um, uh, the Navy Ballistic Missile Defense Forces as they, as they intercepted and destroyed the threats. Our people were working right alongside the Navy Missile Defense Agency and others to support that mission and provide global missile defense for the, um, for the nation. Thanks, Jason. Any final thoughts on your conversation with the CG? He was so proud of the command, just, just hearing him talk about it, that all the things that the SMDC, JFCC, IMD, that, that we're accomplishing in support of national defense and global defense, it was just amazing to hear him talk about how proud he was of the um, soldiers, civilians, family members, everyone that's, that's supporting in this difficult time. It, it was really it was inspiring to hear him talk about that. Thanks a lot, Jason. I can imagine. And thank you again for taking the time to talk with us. We really appreciate it. Be on the lookout for a special edition podcast produced by Staff Sergeant Aaron Ronstadt, an SMDC public affairs specialist in Colorado Springs, detailing the events of the missile attack last January from the perspective of soldiers with SMDC's 1st Base Brigade, Forward Detachment 1, who were on the receiving end of that attack. Up next, if 2020 was the year of COVID, as Jason said, 2021 is shaping up to be the year of the vaccine. Beetle Bailey and the team in the SMDC PAO produced a video with SMDC Command Surgeon Colonel George Kyle and General Carbler in December talking about the vaccine and Operation Warp Speed. We're honored to be joined by Colonel Kyle. Sir, what is the status of Operation Warp Speed from your perspective? I think the key when we look at the availability of the vaccine, we've gone from having administered, actually given tens of thousands of vaccines now to over 4 million vaccines. So that's over 4 million people have actually received the vaccines. That's a significant increase in that it gives us a broader array of people to observe to validate its safety. Thank you, sir. Do you know of any side effects that have been observed in people receiving the vaccine? So the complaints that some people have had in receiving the vaccine have been mild side effects. And we really have not broadened that list of side effects, of potential side effects from uh, some pain and swelling at the injection site, uh, some people with some fatigue, uh, fever even and chills. But all of those minor symptoms for those few that received them, that experienced them, they all resolve within uh, a day or two. And that really hasn't changed as we've now crossed over the, you know, the, in, the in the low millions. And we expect that safety profile to continue as we get into the tens of millions and even into the hundreds of millions. Great information. Thank you, sir. And what is the implementation schedule for the SMDC personnel to receive a vaccine? So the prioritization as far as who's going to receive it first among our SMDC and JIFIC IMD teammates, our family members, um, that is all based on the DOD's guidelines, which follows the CDC guidelines. So first personnel to receive it are going to be those involved in the first responder emergency response uh, line of efforts. 
followed closely by our teammates that are directly engaged in national defense operations. So folks who are uh, some console operators, security personnel, they'll be first in line for as far as SMDC and JIFIC IMD. And then the rollout will continue as the two vaccines and hopefully in the very near future, third and fourth vaccines become available. That'll just increase the, the speed with which it's available uh, to everyone else. And as soon as it's available, I will be rolling my sleeve up uh, to get this vaccine, regardless of the manufacturer. Okay, that's something I've been wondering. What are the differences in the vaccines that are currently available right now? The differences in the effectiveness of the vaccine or the safety profile of between the two manufacturers that are currently available, there really is no difference. So the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, both uh, when available can be taken safely without concern of, of one being more or less effective. The others that are about to, that we anticipate coming out in, in the near future, uh, one called the Oxford by AstraZeneca, um, you know, those will have a, uh, the data will show what their efficacy is as well as their safety profiles. They still have to go through the FDA vetting and approval process, but we anticipate uh, as they're in their stage three of their clinical trial that they too will become available uh, and on, on the market here in the near future. That makes me feel better, but I know of others that may have some apprehension about receiving this vaccine because it was developed so rapidly and is still so new. What would you say to them? There has been some advances that we've been able to, to really leverage in making this vaccine come to fruition in a short period of time. Uh, but those, that technology is not really new. Uh, the messenger RNA approach has been something we've used in targeted cancer treatments for about a dozen years or so. And we've tried also in previous vaccines to use this messenger RNA technique, but we've got it uh, with, with technological advances and scientific advances. It's, it's been successful in these two vaccines. So it, it, it's, it's not new, even though these are the first uh, readily available vaccines. The other aspect of this is the, NAC, the vaccines, both of which currently available, are in the mid-90s as far as effectiveness. If we compare that to the flu vaccine, which is only 40 to 50% effective, that's a significant benefit. And then again, the side effect profile and the risk from these vaccines is also extremely low. So in the risk benefit discussion, these vaccines are extremely safe and everyone should be, be comfortable receiving them. Fantastic. Thanks for that, sir. Last question. In your opinion, do you think having these vaccines available is going to help us get back to our normal way of life and end this pandemic? Well, we don't know if it's the end of the, uh, the pandemic itself, but it's certainly a major step in controlling this pandemic. If you had asked six months ago what our new future or new normal might look like, uh, we were not quite as optimistic as we are now that the, these vaccines have rolled out. Given this uh, nearly unprecedented eff effectiveness of the vaccines, uh, we really foresee uh, by the fall of next year um, that we should see a significant change uh, in the prevalence of this and the prevalence of this disease, the the uh, the COVID disease in the American population, and we should really be back to a new normal that looks somewhat familiar, uh, not quite where we were before COVID. Uh, but it should be uh, 
a, a much, much more comfortable environment as far as the prevalence of uh, the COVID disease. That's great news, and that's great information for all the SMDC teammates. Thank you again for your time, sir. Sure, and if you if you had a chance to, I guess if I could give the Reader's Digest bumper sticker version, I would say that these two vaccines, regardless of which one you receive, uh, you should receive them with the assurance that they're safe and effective, and I am certainly looking forward to receiving mine. Well, you heard it from the foremost medical expert in SMDC. Major Smith, when are you getting your vaccine? Well, you know, I'm actually backfilling a missile defense cruise right now and here in the Springs, and so I'm scheduled to receive mine very soon. Same here. Thank you to Colonel Kyle for taking the time to talk with us. Moving on to our final news feature in this segment. Major Smith, did you have a chance to read Sergeant Ronstadt's article about the SMDC soldier who interned with SpaceX? I did. I really want to talk to him and learn more. Well, you're in luck. Joining us next is Captain Jay Cupid, a nearly 10-year Army soldier and graduate of Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University with a degree in aerospace engineering. Captain Cupid has been a space operations officer for four years and has served across the globe in the air defense artillery and space career fields. Captain Cupid, how did you get involved with the Training with Industry program at SpaceX? Yeah, so I um, I applied when I was still a JTAX commander. Um, you know, I, I have an engineering degree in the Army, uh, you know, back in the day. Didn't they just put you where they put you? You got the job you got. And I was luckily a signal officer, I guess. But um, I wanted to kind of use my, my degree in engineering. Um, and to go to SpaceX, you have to have a, a STEM degree, specifically mechanical, electrical, um, or aerospace engineering. And so, you know, I, I, I wanted to kind of see see the engineering world of things and do a little bit more technical, um, especially after being like in BCTs and, you know, more army, army type of jobs. Um, and so I, I applied and I got accepted, but I, I hadn't been to the <laughs> space operations qualification course yet. And so I, you know, that's why I came to Colorado and got to do some some more Army space things before I went um, to get a little Army space experience that I could take to SpaceX. Wow, that was cool. What was your experience like there? It's obviously a really innovative company. Um, you know, they they approach risk and problem solving. It, it's weird. In some ways, really similar to the Army. In some ways, really, really differently. But um, they accept a lot of risk up front um, and kind of accept failure within within certain bounds, obviously. But um, so that they can innovate fast and rapidly and, and change. And so I, I, I really got to like create my own adventure, so to, so to speak, while I was there. Um, like I said, I was part of the crew mission management team as my primary job, but also I got to work with, um, you know, a few other mission management teams and the proposal team. And I got to, um, I had free reign basically to go and, and to meet people and to participate in various projects and just see the company from all different, different aspects, which is really exciting and cool. Um, they didn't, um, it wasn't a lot of handholding. It was, Hey, welcome to the team. You're a member of SpaceX, you know, for the next 12 months, go figure it out, do great things. So Sergeant Ronstad wrote that you were responsible for qualification test plans and reports and final verification reviews for more than 1000 components on the Dragon Demo-2 spacecraft. Could you tell us more about that? Demonstration 2 was the second test article flight um, that SpaceX conducted of their, their Dragon 2 capsule. Um, so Demo-1 was uh, successfully launched to ISS back in March of 2019. 
we, um, you know, they unfortunately had an anomaly where, where that vehicle was lost in an explosion on the test pad. Um, I started there in June, and so I was a part of the team that got to work on the second test vehicle, and that, that vehicle was the one that took, um, was the first one to take astronauts. So Demo 2 was the first um, commercial vehicle to be launched from the surface to go to the ISS with, with NASA astronauts. Uh, it was the first time in nine years that um, we had sent astronauts from American soil because the shuttle was um, was decommissioned nine years prior. Um, and so, you know, from from June of 2019 to, you know, the launch in May of 2020, I worked primarily on that mission. And so I, I interfaced with SpaceX engineers and NASA engineers to go over every component um, on the vehicle to make sure that, you know, it met it met safety and it was fully qualified for flight so that we could successfully um, get the astronauts to and from um, the ISS. Okay, final thoughts here. What were the takeaways from your time there? While I was at SpaceX, I got to see, you know, a lot of different leadership styles. SpaceX is a super flat organization. Um, and so my, my boss's boss is a vice president and his boss is the COO. So there wasn't a lot of like separation between the people just working and, and the leadership. Um, which, you know, is obviously a bit different than the Army, but what I learned is that organizational leadership is really important and culture and climate is really important and that those sorts of things transcend if you're in the Army or if you're working for SpaceX or wherever you are. Um, a good leader is a good leader and caring about folks is is number one. And so I I expected going that I would, it would be a 180, but really leadership is the same wherever you are. So it was a cool, like, oh, you care about your folks and you take care of your people and, and they're going to be motivated and, and driven to the same vision that, that your team organization has. So um, it's kind of cheesy, but it, it, was, it was definitely a big takeaway for me. Thanks for joining us, Captain. What an interesting experience that must have been. I wonder if we got to drive a Tesla. Maybe that's a question for another day. Don't forget to check out these and other stories, photos, and videos on the SMDC webpage and also on the SMDC social media feeds Major Smith, where can people find those? Yeah, smdc.army.mil on facebook.com backslash armysmdc and at armysmdc on Twitter. Moving on to our favorite part of the podcast, our cool job segment. If there are cooler jobs in SMDC, there certainly aren't any colder jobs than serving as an MP at Fort Greeley, Alaska. That's right, Major Smith. The soldiers of Military Police Ground-Based Interceptor Security Company, also known as Alpha Company, guard and protect the missile defense complex at Fort Greeley around the clock in some pretty harsh conditions. A couple of weeks ago, Sergeant Sheely and I caught up with one of these soldiers and talked about his job, experience, and life in Alaska. Sergeant Sheely, do you recall the temperature outside when we talked to Staff Sergeant Montos? I think it was something like negative 26, but I don't know for sure. It was too cold to keep track. Very cold. It was cold. And full disclosure, we talked with him inside. Here's a conversation we had with Sergeant Matos. Okay, so my full name is gonna be Sergio Antonio Matos Rivera. Um, I'm a staff sergeant uh, working for the MPTBI security company for the 49th Missile Defense Battalion. You are a staff sergeant, you are an, an MP, so are you a squad leader? That's correct, I'm a squad leader, uh, full squad of nine soldiers right now. What is your mission as a squad leader of a of an MP squad here at Fort Greeley? My daily duties up here, right? Uh, so my job as a squad leader is 
to maintain at all times with a mission of uh, 24-7, uh, maintain security of the missile defense complex. More in detail to it, uh, uh, I maintain that the soldiers get their breaks so they can conduct their personal training uh, as physical and educational training at all times so they can have their meals throughout the day, this meeting, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and their rotation throughout the days as meaning their, how they patrol and conduct their jobs out on site. Excellent. And what, uh, when did you come up to Fort Greeley? When did you first uh, come on ground here? So I got here on September of 2015, first of that September 2015. I've been here for five years already. Uh, what was your, where, where are you from? So I am from Puerto Rico. Uh, I was born in Puerto Rico, uh, 23, until 23, I was in Puerto Rico. After that, I moved to the United States and then I moved to Alaska as an AGR here at Fort Greeley. What was your initial uh, impressions five years ago? You remember that back, back then? Uh, it, was, it was a big change, a big difference. I'm coming from an island where temperature stays 90s, as low as 70. It's cold, cold right? So it, it was a big change for me and my family. At that point, I, I didn't have any kids. Uh, Fergley have given me the blessing in Alaska to have two beautiful kids, a son and a daughter. So that's great. Why did you decide to come to Fort Greeley? What, what, how, did that, how did that happen? So back in the island, right, things are not going well as per careers and um, job opportunities, right? And I was just looking for greener grass, as you can say, and a better future, um, some career progression for me and my family in a future. So that, that made me took the decision. At, at first, I didn't think it was gonna be this huge change, but this huge change has been for the for the better of our careers and our lives here in Alaska. What's your wife do? Does she work or she's staying with the kids? She's staying for the kids right now. Uh, she's actually doing college. She's doing a master's. She's a nurse. Um, so if I can note it out, this this period in Alaska has been. It has helped us grow educational-wise and to better improve our lives in the civilian part and the Army. I've, throughout the years here, I, I've been able to further my career and my education. Can you talk about a little bit about that? Because I don't know if this is all that common um, for the listeners to hear that you actually uh, recently graduated the OCS program. That's correct. That's correct. And, and I can speak a little bit about that. Yeah, I'll do. say about 2017, after being two years here, I went to BLC. Uh, 2017, 1st of March, uh, I became a Sergeant E5. Um, 2019, um, September uh, 1st, I became a squad leader. This is a Staff Sergeant E6. Uh, this kind of tracking career progression is not seen. It, it took me four years to do that, and this is why I was talking about um, career progression-wise. It has been a blessing being up here. And so I finished my college degree 
2019 March and I was like, well, I have a, I have education now. What am I going to do? Am I going to sit on it or, or, or look for something better? And that's when I made a decision to become an officer, which at the, the time people were saying it, it was not going to be an easy uh, and, and and it was not easy. You have to put a lot of effort into it. Um, the what Alaska uh, gives you as the only um, option is what is called an accelerated OCS, which is min is fifty seven days of hard training and education. So yes, yes. So you successfully uh, graduated the, OC, the accelerated OCS program, came back to Fort Greeley. You're still wearing the staff sergeant rank, so you're just looking to essentially wait until there's an, uh, a slot op- open to take that that uh, second lieutenant. Yes, what is called is um, pocket your commission because we are AGRs, right? So I have to wait for that position uh, in the GMD. Hopefully, it's in the in the GMD structure as an MP or as uh, 14 Alpha, which is basically what the mission here is. So talk about that a little bit more. So 14 Alpha is your is your air defense artillery officer. So why is that an option for you as an MP? Yeah, we can go back to that. Um, in 2019, too, I went through the GMD qualification course. Um and will that broaden and open doors for me as an officer to um, become an end defender as an officer just due to the prior knowledge that I have as an enlisted in that realm. So you, in five short years, you've taken your career as an MP, you've broadened your, your horizons, you've, you've taken on um, an additional skill identifier, we'll call it, and going through GQC, and and now you have a, a like you said an OCS commission in your pocket. So things are looking really bright for your future. Um, so the, the part that we wanted to talk about was cool jobs, right? Is there any cooler or colder job in SMDC than being a military police soldier on the missile defense complex? Definitely not a color. Let's, let's say a cooler job than this one. We have to patrol 24-7 outside with different vehicles. And yes, when it hits negative um, 40, there's no cooler thing than being called outside. But it's not all bad. Uh, you could, you, I mean, me coming from an island that we don't, we don't get to see snow. We don't, we don't get to see uh, the auroras. We don't, we don't get to see all this stuff. We can definitely see see things different right so i don't think there's there's a thing cooler than that that being in a different place that were the one you were born in and enjoy all these beautiful things that nature and life can provide you so yeah there's nothing cooler than that <laughs> the bugle has sounded mail call which traditionally signaled personnel to assemble for the distribution of mail. Major Smith, what do we have in the mailbag? Sergeant Sealy, I know in our brigade, one of the most common questions is about DA photos. Actually, most recently I was talking to Lieutenant Getz, and he was asking about DA photos because he's coming up for captain. So what's the latest guidance on DA photos? 
Well, Major Smith, this is a question we get a lot in the Brigade PAO since we do offer DA photos in our sort of makeshift studio at Brigade headquarters. However, the DA photo requirement changed entirely in 2020. Per e-Milpo message 20-26, dated 20 July, the Department of the Army photo will no longer be available on the e-Milpo SRB. This followed the Secretary of the Army's June 2020 policy memorandum that competitive boards will not incorporate a photograph and will actually redact race, ethnicity, and gender data on officer and enlisted records. So the latest guidance I have from HRC says, though the use of a DA photo has been suspended, the requirement to take a DA photo per AR 640-30 has not changed. This is because the DA photo may still be used by exception. So essentially, a DA photo does not show up on the soldier record brief but it is still a requirement to take one. I guess we'll keep the studio open once we're back to working in the office. And we're still happy to offer command photos in the 100th Brigade PAO to SMDC soldiers in Colorado Springs. And now to upcoming events. Look for some upcoming promotions on our social media pages in addition to the 1st Space Battalion change of responsibility on 13 January. Also be on the lookout for the Global Defender Magazine. That's a one-stop shop for everything about SMDC and all of its elements. A reminder to check out the special edition High Ground podcast coming soon. The feeling when a ballistic missile strikes within a few hundred yards of where you're at is, uh, say, like nothing else in the world. When the, the ground shakes from the shock. In the middle of the night when it actually hit, when we went outside, it looked like the sky was on fire. It was definitely the, the craziest thing I've been a, been a part of and experienced. It sounds intense. I can't wait to give that one a listen. Major Smith, I think that about does it for episode three. Sir, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, R.C. The pleasure was all mine. Let's remind our listeners one more time where they can find all the latest news stories, photos, videos from the command. Yes, sir. People can find all the latest at smdc.army.mil, facebook.com slash armysmdc, and at armysmdc on Twitter. Thank you for listening to the High Ground Podcast. Be sure to share with others and look for the next full-length episode in early February. From Colorado Springs, the home of the 100th Missile Defense Brigade, I'm Staff Sergeant Zach Sheely. And I'm Major Will Smith. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. This is SMDC.